really excited as uh, we kick off a new series called Hope Rising. Uh, it's a little two-parter, and next week we'll conclude it on Easter Sunday, and so really um, can't wait for that. How many of you are excited for Easter? This is like a little like prequel for you for Easter. Um, we make a bit, my wife's been talking about this quite a bit. I wasn't planning on this part of the talk. Uh, but my wife's been talking about like our Easter traditions. We have a lot of Thanksgiving traditions and Christmas traditions and these sort of things. Um, but for us as a family, it's really about like Easter's a ton of work and then we just like zone out, you know, after it and realizing, no, this is, this is the Super Bowl for those of us who are followers of Jesus. Um, our faith, Christianity, hinges upon a historical event that took place 2,000 years ago. And if that event actually happened, then Jesus is not a good man, but the God man. And all that he said is indeed true. And so, we live in light of the resurrection, that we have a resurrected king, and in the name of Jesus is power to change your life and this world. Would you pray with me? God, thanks so much for this morning. Thank you for this time. Thank you that we're entering a season where we focus our hearts and our minds around the centrality of our faith. God for us, God with us, God who died for us, and God who defeated the grave that we might have life. And so we invite you here to speak and to work and to move. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, last Friday, or really Saturday morning, uh, myself and a team got back from Haiti, and it was fantastic. And part of our Hope Rising series, part one, we want to share about our time in Haiti. And we had a team of 13 go with us. It was fantastic. Uh, one of the great joys for me was my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter, with me, and so that was amazing for me. And I just encourage you, parents, if I can. I had someone come up to me at my daughter's school. She goes to Las Gatas Christian School, and she was the mom was asking me all about the trip and what was going on and how it work. And she's like, "Oh, that's so amazing! I really want to take my daughter and do something like that." I said, "Well, fantastic! Why don't you do it?" And then it was crickets. She's like, well, you know, I'm like, no, no, I literally don't know. You explain it to me. But you know what could happen? Oh, oh, that's right. What could happen? As if something couldn't not happen here. And I just encourage, I, I've parents especially, and I'm in the process with you, so I'm not saying this as like I've been there and done that, but, but I think so often we don't pass along a faith to our kids that captures their imagination of a God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine because we try to put safety boxes around them and keep them comfortable and never cause our kids to step out and trust God and see God at work around the world. 
So I just invite you. We're going to do some stuff as a church. I, I'm working towards getting actually a, a mission to Mexico trip for families going. I did, I'm, yeah. Whew. Uh, I, but I would enjoy, just invite you. W- would you pass on a faith that requires you to actually trust God? All right. That was part two of something I didn't plan on sharing either. Who knows how this morning's going to go? <laughs> Hope rising. I want to talk this morning and share with you our Haiti time. In fact, I'm going to, I want to share a little bit, and I really want us to memorize a verse together. Maybe you've never memorized a verse. Uh, I want us to memorize a verse together. Maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus. Welcome. We're so thrilled you're here. You'll know one verse in the Bible, and you can show off to all your friends. You know, like, hey, I don't believe in this whole thing, but I know one verse in the Bible. How about you? Uh, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a great party trick, by the way. Um, But I want to share a little bit about our time. We have a video, so you actually get to see a lot about our time. I'm going to have the team share for a little bit. And then I have a story uh, that I'm going to leave you with. Uh, Hope rising. A question this morning wrestling with is, where do you find hope in a hopelessly broken world? In fact, we're going to be wrestling with it not just this week, but next week. But where do you find hope? In a hopelessly broken world. It it doesn't even seem like it's a hopelessly broken world anymore. Right? It's not like, well, it's kind of broken, but we can fix it. We live in a hopelessly broken world. The events this week alone point to that. The chemical attack in Syria. The strike the tension relationship between U.S. and Russia, the attack in Sweden. I woke up this morning, checked my Twitter feed, and woke up to Christians being bombed in Egypt, gathering together for Palm Sunday, two different churches. So, where do you find hope in a hopelessly broken world, or how do you truly experience hope? Hope is the confident expectation of a better tomorrow. It is the joyous anticipation of good. That that there's something coming that far outshines the now. That's what hope is. In Haiti, I first traveled there in 2011. It was a year after the earthquake earthquake. And in fact, I, I don't know, I know it was true for me, but I don't know if it's true across the board, but it's almost as if this tragic earthquake that hit this impoverished, corrupt country finally put it on the map or in the hearts and the minds of the American people. Remember going over, and the first time flying in, the, the airport was actually really destroyed, and so you got off the, onto the tarmac, and they had a makeshift place that you went into. It was so hot. It was, I think, June or July when we went. So hot. And we went to visit some missionaries there. Jean Jean, who, uh, Mon Premier, who grew up Haitian, and Christy, uh, who was from Iowa. Jean Jean came to the States. He, he grew up in this really rural, rural village in Haiti. 
and somehow was able to get to the States and get a seminary education, fell in love with this island. (laughs) They get married, and instead of him simply wanting to stay safe and comfortable in America, he wanted to go back to his village. His village where his family and his relatives and his friends and where he watched suffering and poverty and pain plague consistently. And so they go back. I remember showing up as they'd only been there for a couple of years and they're just getting their, you know, as missionaries, they're just getting their feet settled and they had one goal. There's one goal. I love this. Their goal was simply to bring the gospel. You see, his village, the area of Cayman Pinyon, was one of the centers of voodoo in that area. Uh, It was a place that people would travel from all over to consult with the witch doctor to cast spells upon them. There's an immense amount of evil and darkness. At night, you would hear the banging of the voodoo drums as they would go through their rituals. And it was a community that was entranced with fear. No one helped one another. No one looked out for each other. Afraid that it was someone that someone else didn't like and then they would get a spell cast or a family member would be killed. You had kids, and I remember going and visiting them and we were working with some kids and I remember seeing a kid, so this was 2011, that was around my son's age. Um, how, that was how many years ago? Six years ago, yeah? So writers... 10, so he's four. Good math, Ingram, good math. (laughs) And I remember seeing this four-year-old boy and having them tell me that when their belly's protruding and that when the hair is orange, it it just talks about how deeply malnourished they are. And this four-year-old boy, I'm holding, and he's not able to even color He doesn't have the energy to even color. I'm thinking about my four-year-old boy that's running around circles and crazy wild. Love him to death. And here's this boy. He can't get up and play. Doesn't have the energy to even pick up a crayon. The kids would make these little mud um, cookies just to fill their bellies to keep the pain of starvation away. First time went to Haiti, it looked like incredibly hopeless. Like, like what can one couple do? I get it. You want to bring the gospel, but, but how does the gospel impact this? How does it make a real change? Think about Haiti as a corrupt government. There's almost no infrastructure for water, electricity. 
As a result, they've stripped their land of its natural resources. It used to be this lush tropical island, and they've cut down the trees to make charcoal to sell, and now it is many places barren and dry. 60% live on $2 a day. Two-thirds of the population has no formal job. 50% of the kids do not go to school. 80% of the teachers have no training. And the life expectancy is 63 years of age, and the average age in Haiti is 22 years of age. You have one couple showing up, going, okay, God, all we have is our lives and the gospel. I wonder what would happen if we just showed up. If the songs we sung about, I wonder if they're actually real. See, we live in safe America where we sing things that we don't actually believe. What do we just sing about? What a wonderful name. The name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus is power. Today, 2017, they've seen 27 witch doctors receive Christ. Over 500 members in their church, 13 churches built, 65 churches in training. They have almost 500 students in, in their university where they're training for agriculture, medical, theology, and teaching. And the Christian, they built an elementary school. There's 769 elementary students enrolled there. Their agricultural projects, they've built 23 irrigation pumps. Over 600 animals were given out. 52,000 reforestation of grafting fruit trees to be given out, to be replanted. 80,000 coffee trees are currently growing to be distributed in the community They've built over 440 cement floors, 55 latrines, 124 houses, 22 wells for the community. They're currently providing jobs in their neighborhood just by what they're doing. One couple who stepped out and believed God in their community, over 175 Haitians are on staff. Hundreds more with contract work. This is who we're partnering with. This is when we raised $90,000 as a community the lion's share, 60,000 of that, went to this community to support college students, to, to do some building programs, to pay for elementary kids. How in the world did hope rise amidst a seemingly hopeless situation? And here's what I love about their story. They came with just one aim. The thing that was most important. The only thing that can actually bring hope in the midst of hopelessness. And out of it sprung all the rest. They came simply to bring good news. Came simply to bring Jesus. And by the way, good deeds always follow good news. Because they believed this. And here's the verse I want us to memorize. 
preparation. They believe this. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That word power, many of you probably know this already in the Greek. It's the Greek word dunamis. It's where we get our modern day term dynamite. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news that God loved you, that God came for you, that in the person of Jesus, he took on the weight of sin and death upon the cross and suffered and died in our place. And then on the third day, rose again, defeating uh, death, sin, and Satan, that we might have life. I'm not ashamed of that good news. Why? Because it is powerful. It's powerful. It's transformative. It is the very thing that will bring hope amidst the hopelessness of our world. Let us not get confused that some political movement, some government, some sociological system, some more education is going to bring hope. We have more education. We have bigger government. We have smarter people. And we have less hope. I'm not ashamed. I just wonder. One couple showed up. I mean, this is rural. It took us four hours drive there. In fact, I'm going to ask our team, like, what was the hardest part of the trip? And I think many are going to say, just getting there. (laughs) Said, guess what? There is something more powerful than what I see and the circumstances around me. There is something more powerful than the poverty that is pervading, the spiritual darkness that is surrounding. There is someone more powerful, and his name is Jesus. All right, you ready to memorize this with me? All right, let's say this out loud, church. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. All right, so repeat it after me now. We're, we're going to repeat this. We're going to get this. We're going to memorize this. So I'm going to say it, and then you say that next part. For I'm not ashamed, ashamed. Of, the gospel. of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Okay, hang on. So I'll give you like a little preaching tip, okay? When you're, when you're going to preach, uh, because some of you will do this, you can't just read it. You have to read it, you know? It's not just the power of God. It's the power of God, right? It's, either it's powerful or it's not. All right, we'll try it, we'll try it again, okay? We'll try it again. For it is the power of God. All right, that's pretty good. You're ready to preach. I like that. For salvation. Everyone who believes. All right, let's, let's try it one more time, okay? For I'm not ashamed, For I'm not ashamed. of the gospel. For it is the power of God. I'm liking it. For salvation, to everyone who believes. Okay, take it away for me. You ready? <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You ready? One, two, three, four. Power of God, salvation, everyone. 
That was pretty darn good, church. Give yourself a hand. Yeah, there you go. Our hope is built on Christ alone. Not how well our economy's doing, not who's in political office, not on whether you can afford to live here or not. Our hope is Jesus. And that hope brings life. And when you put your faith in Jesus, and for some this morning, and we're going to get there at the end, this is perhaps a conversion for Christians who've been living far too safe and who have a hope in this world and asking Jesus somehow to support that hope, if we're honest. And where you go, okay, I'm not ashamed anymore. Not ashamed of what people are going to say about me. I'm not ashamed about what my coworkers are going to think. I'm not ashamed about what my neighbors might think of the gospel. Not of being some weird, idiot, Christian freak. We got a bunch of jerks online. That's not what I'm saying. Of the gospel. God loves you. God's for you. God came for you. God died for you that you might have life and defeated death that you might live with him forever. He longs to be with you. Why? Because it's powerful and it brings hope to your life, to your world. I just wonder, I just wonder, the things in your life that feel so hopeless, if you would order your life and begin to bring the gospel into it, I wonder what might change as you experience his power. I want to share with you a little bit of a video, if you will. It's not if you will. It literally is a video. I don't know why I say stuff like that. I just didn't work a good transition from that point to the video. Next service, we'll get there. I want to share with you the video of our time, bring our team up, that, by the way, they sacrificed their time, their money, to go serve, and God did a great work through them, and I know that God did a great work in them during this time, and they are changed as a result. Take a look at the video. Cool. Would you uh, welcome our Haiti team up? Why don't you grab that? You all right over there? I don't want to go back. Uh, tell me what's going on. Talk to me. Oh, my gosh. Um, Hold the mic up. To there. see all of those kids, oh, my gosh. It was the best time. Um, I, I just love that. And everything Ryan said is so true. It is the power of the gospel. It is not a government. It is not anything but Jesus. And I love that they just depend so much on who God is. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, Felicia led our trip. She was our fearless leader. Thank you so much for doing that. It's fun. And so we don't have time to hear from everybody, and we'll do this again next service, so we'll kind of let those who didn't talk this time talk next time. Uh, but I just want to ask a couple questions. But uh, who wants to go, like, what was your favorite part of the trip? Like, your absolute favorite part? Don't be shy, or I'll talk. All right. Um, so first, 
Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, bonjour. Uh, Rele Jennifer. Um, so two things with that. Good morning. Her so, name is Jennifer. <laughs> okay. So one is when we first got there, um, a lot of the people were just kind of like silent. Like they stared at us for sure. Um, but once we understood, like we needed to say good morning and good afternoon, bonjour, bonsoir, then people would say that back to us. And it was just so amazing just to see these people, you know, smile. Um, and the second of all was learning their language. <laughs> I can count to 10 in, uh, in Creole. And it, it's just, it was just amazing just to see the people there, the community there, the, um, what Ryan said, it was nothing before. And just to see everybody work together, even our team um, working together and, um, and it was just beautiful. It was That's so cool. Amazing. That's really cool. What was the, for someone, what was the hardest part? What was the most challenging part? Who wants to do that one? Pass the mic down. We'll stop in front of someone. I'll go. Perfect. <laughs> um, as Ryan was saying earlier, I think the hardest part was traveling um, to Haiti and from Haiti back here. Um, it was like a 24-hour flight van trip and... Um, when we got to Port-au-Prince and we had to drive uh, four hours to the compound, um, there's 13 of us in this van and it was hot. We barely had any um, AC and the roads, they weren't roads. And I was sitting in between Felicia and Ryan and we're all super tired. Um, and I'm like, like this, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I should lean over to Ryan. I don't know if we're that comfortable for that, on that level yet, but it was just super funny, but yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, thank you. Uh, all right. So what was, for someone, what was the most impactful part of the trip? Looks like Dylan's ready on that one. Um, I think for me, the most impactful part was seeing the couple that we support so generously. Um, the mom premieres are so cool. Like Christy was literally like everywhere leading or teaching every single like second that we saw her. Right. And John John knows everybody is so like friendly and everything. And, um, I think hearing about how like 10 years before how much voodoo was like in this little town. Um, and then when we went to distribute food, like almost every single family was so like filled with the Holy Spirit. I think we only saw like one family that didn't know Christ. Um, and just being able to see that in their hard times um, was just so amazing. And just how much good that they've done, the mom premieres have done for this little town was great. Yeah, that's cool. It was, it was fun to hear on the team this, this refrain. It was like, now I know why we support them, you know? It's like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, and that was really encouraging and exciting to see. So maybe one last question. Um, I'll introduce, by the way, Chris. He's not a part of Awakening. Um, we still love you, though. <laughs> no, Chris, Chris is my buddy. Uh, he came from Westgate, uh, and Westgate is planted Awakening. Okay, we got one clap, two claps, Sweet. yeah. And he and Reed did a ton in the university on all the um, electronics, internet. And it's crazy to be in like rural, rural Haiti and having internet, you know, and, and seeing, you know, laptops and all those sort of things. But I, I would love to ask you, since I now highlighted and embarrassed you, sure. what, what was uh, maybe uh, where you saw God at work? 
Um, well, uh, so Reed and I worked really hard on getting the internet and Wi-Fi working across the university. And uh, one of the really cool things was to see all the students kind of brighten up. And uh, Reed at one point walked by me and he's like, hey man, are you getting thumbs up? And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, all the students, they're, they're giving us a thumbs up. Like they know the internet's up. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that was just like a cool, just a cool moment. You see like yeah. just everyone's sort of vibe like perk up a little bit. Like, hey, we're making progress. So that was kind of cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Because um, before it was kind of funny. You would have, you had one router that was for this, you know, 500 college students. And you see everyone huddled around the outside of one office, you know, with their laptop. It literally was that. It looked like, you know, a swarm of bees or something. Uh, but it was just people trying to get internet. All right. Last question. Oh, yeah. Did you want to say something? Yeah. I just, yep. Pass. Maybe, my last question was, where, where did you see God work in your life? What was God teaching you? What are you bringing back? But if it doesn't answer that, you answer. Well, I just wanted to say, we were just worshiping here. I wanted to say the really cool thing for me was getting to be part of a worship service where I understood nothing, and yet I was so deeply connected to what they were sharing and knew that we all worship the same God. That was mm. like the coolest part about getting to be there. No, that's great. It was. It was amazing to be a part of that. And just you heard that singing. That was their youth choir. And they came and gave us a, uh, it was actually, they gave you guys, but me, Reed, and um, Chris were doing some videos at the time. And they're like, hey, do you want them to sing? And we're like, yeah. <laughs> and so we just sat there and videoed them and just took it in. And it was like we had our own like concert. It was unbelievable. It was amazing. So can we thank these guys for going? Thank you guys so much. You can go ahead and... I love it. Um, there's a... There's a... Uh, we want to do a trip annually, and so if you're interested in that, you can write on your, your card, and we can get you more information about that. We do try to cooperate more with... Um, spring breaks for as for college students uh, per se uh, because we just are about awakening this generation and so if you're an adult you have to take vacation anyways for it uh, so that's how that works not that college students aren't adults did I just say that I, that's not what I meant all right hey let's try our verse again let's put it back up there put it back up there I for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. You caught me. I read it normal, and you read it right. Good job. I was like, for the power. For it's the power of God. All right, let's try it one more time. For I am not for it is the power of All right, take it away. One more time. One more time. We're going to try it. All right, you got this. You got this. You're so good. You're right on. You're right there. Right there. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And some of you got the address there. That was great. I want to leave you with one story and invite the band up to close us out in this song. Um, one of the things we did there uh, is we brought rice and beans and oils to families in need. And there's a lot of families in need. And we'd walk these, as you got a little bit of a picture, these trails. And they would have cacti as their fences. And then you'd have these huts 
Uh, one, our team put some cement floors in some of these huts so that they're not laying on dirt anymore. But on one particular occasion, we're out passing out rice and beans and praying for people and going door to door. And this lady comes up, a young lady comes up to our group. And she's the first person that we've ever encountered there that, that came across very pushy and just trying to get something, and has that, you know, scarcity mentality, which you totally understand, like, I need to get this, I'm going to try to get this, and we had been going door to door, passing out, and this lady's like, almost trying to grab it out of um, our hands, and could tell that, man, I'm pretty sure she doesn't know Jesus, and our translator was translating, like, do you guys... You think you could give her some rice and beans? We said, absolutely, of course, we'd love to. But could we ask her some questions? And she said, yes. And so I said, oh, it's okay. And Felicia led that conversation and, and asking questions about, hey, has anybody shared with you the gospel, basically? This powerful news that transforms your life, that brings salvation and hope. She said no. And so we shared it with her. And she's kind of smiled and nodded, and she is clenching her rice and beans, making sure that we don't take those back, and asked if she in any way wanted to start a relationship with Jesus, and she said no, and said, okay, well, can we pray for you? She said yes, so we prayed for her, and as soon as we were done, she bolted like lightning, and I couldn't help but think, like it broke my heart to see this lady who was in, in such a hopeless situation. And those rice and the beans, uh, it signified hope for a moment, didn't it? It signified hope for a season, maybe a week. But then you go back. And I just couldn't help but have my heartbreak realizing that she left the most valuable thing behind. She left Jesus behind. She had the rice and she had the beans and the oil, but she didn't have Jesus. And the reality is, is that happens in this room more than I care to wish to admit. And I long for you to not walk away from this moment being inspired by a great story, seeing what others are doing, and somehow leave Jesus behind. And so if you are here and you've never Step foot in relationship with Jesus. You never started. You didn't know that the God of the universe loves you, that he longs to have a personal relationship with you, that the things that we've done that have broken that relationship have been forever taken care of. You no longer have to live with any fear. You no longer have to live with any guilt. You no longer have to live under any shame because God has died in your place place. It says that this good news, God for you, God who died for you, God who defeated the enemy of hope, 
death itself. For you. And you can start a relationship with him today. And it's not by somehow trying harder to everyone who believes, who puts their faith and their trust and their weight in him. Or you just simply go, I'm not going to leave Jesus behind, but I want you in my life every day. Would you come and be my Lord? Would you take control of the reins of my life? Would you be my Savior? Like, finally admit that you need saving. Stop pretending that you got it all together. If you're in that spot... Would you just pray with me? You can bring the lights down and we're going to pray together. Jesus, I don't want to leave you behind. I believe you are the son of God, that you died for me and that you rose again to new life, that I might have life forever with you. Today, I place my trust in in you. Would you come into my heart and my life and make me new? I want to trade my old life for a new life. I give you my life. Would you give me a new life in return? In Jesus' name, amen.